Hey guys, welcome to the Make the Day Awesome podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Luther. And today I have the privilege of being joined by Mr. Kevin Blue, who is one of my Apex brethren, um, also the owner of HB Air Duct Cleaning Services, active member in his church community, and a harmonica player in a rock and blues band. So Kevin, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks and for having me. Absolutely. Go ahead and just kind of give more of a synopsis on yourself. Oh, we're talking about my favorite subject. My name is Kevin. I am a grateful recovered alcoholic. I am um, coming up on 21 years of sobriety. I've been a member of my church, His Place Church in Westminster. You can find us at hisplace.com for 17 years. I got a handful of kids and a handful of grandkids. And I own uh, my first... I'll say my longest running business endeavor is hbairduck.com. We just celebrated our 20th anniversary, August 3rd. And since then, since joining Apex, I have branched it into HB Airduck, HB Dryer Event, South Bay Dryer Event, homesanitizer.com. I've got a lot of different splinters from my tree that I'm that I'm doing of a business. I know some people have like, like Ryan will talk about his different industries that he's in and what i'm doing is i'm i've got one industry that i'm splintering into different businesses because everybody who calls me wants the local guy so i have to appear to be local no matter where i go i got dallas fort worth on my on my site so i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to appear to be the local guy when i start lone star dryer event i've already scouted oh, out the name and everything like that but the, i have a business that's in high demand everybody wants me every time i go on vacation Every time I go out of town, I'm I'm acting like a consumer, seeing what my market's like. And most people, there's not enough people doing what I do. So without giving away my my uh, ATM code, I'm just going to tell you, I, I, I fell into this. I used to clean carpets for, I got into carpets in 1981 when my, uh, my parents wanted me to go to college and that wasn't really an option. And I didn't know any trade schools. So I just got into carpet cleaning and, and uh, I can never really make it. I was a great carpet cleaner. I knew how to clean. I knew how to do all I got certificates for days, but the market was so flooded and everybody was underbidding me that I was, I would not get the work. And then once I got into this, it's like, I'm booking, I'm booking two months out all the time. So that's never a bad problem to have. It's, it's never a bad problem. I do lose some work because people want it now. And I get that because with dryer vent cleaning, most people do not know that they need it till their dryer vent stops, their dryer stops working. So then yeah. it's like, you know, if you got a broken arm, you go to the emergency room and they said we're full, then you're going to go to the next emergency room. So I get that. So my goal is scaling up. I went to the last apex and I want to, I don't want to hire anymore. I want to recruit. And once I get a handful of trucks, then I can, I can fill those needs. I've, I've turned my advertising off since I've joined apex just by doing the damn work. Yeah, and I've, I've never been more busier, you know. So I'm I'm paying hardly nothing to advertise right now, and I'm turning work down. So once I get the team in place, then I can bump up my advertisement and dominate. Dude, that's awesome. That's awesome to hear. So, so like I said um, in our discussions, you know, we we run this podcast so we can make an impact on people and their lives, and um, just show them that there's they're deserving of more than what they're allowing themselves to think right uh, Most definitely part of our journey has well my journey has been that mindset shift um can you share a little bit about your journey about where you know where did where did kevin come from well i was uh born and raised southern california my parents moved from texas my dad moved out here to make two dollars and thirty cents a day back in 1952, and uh, that was good money. He was from the east. He was from the Panhandle, Texas, little town called Pampa, and uh, he lived there all his life. He survived the Dust Bowl of Texas and uh, gave him long-term complications, which uh, you know, breathing and stuff, breathing all that dirty dust. But they moved out here, and you know, you got my parents. Uh, were born and raised during the depression so they're different mindset they were very frugal very you know if we went if we went out to eat twice a month 
that was a big deal. You know, that was a big deal. And uh, I was raised on home cooked meals. My parents were married 49 years, 11 months, 11 days when my father passed. So I was one of the only kids on my street who had married parents. And uh, when my father had gotten sick at 41 and was mandatory retirement, my mom started working two jobs and she was the breadwinner and he was the one that held down the fort at home. And they both cooked great, you know, um, my dad liked to cook certain things. You know, he has, he'd have his own version of spaghetti on Wednesday night. And then on Friday night, he'd do this thing. He, he called it chili mac. It, was, it wasn't really a chili, but it was like a bean, a combination of beans and honey and bacon and uh, some, some taters and some cornbread. And it was just a lot, of, you know, that was every, every uh, Friday night. And we would, um, we'd take white onions and cut them in four and we just eat them like apples and everybody thought we were crazy. I don't do that anymore now that I'm married. You know, the wife does not like apples. But I, that's what I, that's, that was my footprint as a child. I had everything I needed, maybe not everything I wanted because I was selfish and self-centered. You know, the, we learn about that when we're in the rooms of AA, when we read page 63 out of the big book, it talks about being selfish and self-centered is the root of our problems. We step on the toes of others and they retaliate. And that's the way I was. My mother told me um, first words were mine and more. So my wife got me this cute little cell phone cover that says mine, 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 mine. And uh, my first sentence, she, she, you know, she told me my first sentence was, I want a cookie and I want it now. And, uh, you know, she used to tell me that I was, I was born with blue eyes, but I was so full of shit that my eyes turned brown. So here I am almost 58 years old with brown eyes. My mom was a little different. She's, she wasn't, she wasn't a no nonsense type of girl. She, um, you know, Latinos, they get the, they get the chancla. My mom, whatever's, whatever's close, man. If you ever got your butt whooped at the hot wheel track, you'll know what it means. And, Ooh. uh, and my father wasn't this disciplinary, but you know, I had a good family. They loved me. They cared for me. I never felt like I was not loved. I felt like I didn't fit in. And years later, I kind of found out why, but, um, so I had everything I needed, but at 12 years old, I wasn't happy. So I started filling that empty hole with things that, um, and that's where the drugs and the alcohol came in. I remember the first day I drank, I was playing with my GI Joes in the morning. And I was, and I was you know, doing a, the thing where you put a hole in the can and you, and you, you know, shotgun it and, and then using the can for a, for a pipe. And I mean, I was drinking alcohol, smoking weed and, and cigarettes all in one night. And I remember I got sick and I thought it was a cigarette. So I quit doing that, but I, I continued with the alcohol. I continued with the weed or anything else. I lived that life for 23 years. And so I grew up feeling, um, my last name's blue, like the color B-L-U-E. And I, I used to not like to share this because it hurt my feelings, but I, I grew up and, and people would call me Bluezer. You know, that was my nickname. And I just never had anything going. I, I just felt like Eeyore was my spirit animal. You know, it was like, oh dear, oh my. And, uh, I could go on and on. I was last picked by at kickball and my mom loved my brother best or whatever. But the real issue was there was, it was a Kevin problem and it took me years to figure that out. So I got sober at, at almost 37 years old, 36 and a half. And so it's been coming up 21 years. Wow, dude. I played music all my life. My parents were very supportive. Started out with a, with this clarinet, saxophone snare drum and uh guitar i wanted to be i wanted to be jimmy page was my hero ted nugent was my hero uh type of things i was i was lucky to do uh in the 70s we had these open air concerts that were just amazing i, I like i said grew up in anaheim i grew up in southern california so we do like anaheim stadium la coliseum and the these these all-day concerts and we would go and i'm just surprised i my 12 year old wants to go to a concert and it's like you know, it's, we're so different today than we were. And I guess it's different times, you know, it really, it really is. Well, it's like, mom, could I have 1250 to go to a concert? And then, you know, and it's now it's like, dad can I have 125 bucks to go to a concert. So I grew up loving music and somehow I was introduced to the harmonica. And that was the one instrument that I played and it became a part of me. And, uh, 
a harmonica is really a great instrument. Like I never had the tenacity to to learn it, but I love hearing it. I love yeah. Hearing it. It, well, the problem with the harmonica is there's a lot of guys who buy a five or ten dollar harmonica and think they're harmonica players, and and there's a lot of guys that they think the more notes they blow in and out makes them better. And so I, I learned a long time ago when I took lessons from a, a, a blues, this guy was really big in the local blues scene and he, and he was world renowned, but he was from Long Beach. And uh, he, one of his first lessons was uh, keep it simple. You know, we hear that a lot, you know, keep it simple. Yeah. Uh, and he told me less is more. He goes, I'd rather hear you play one note for 16 beats than 16 notes for one beat. And so he got me to practice on the, you know, wah, 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 instead of, you know, all that's good, but that's just kind of where I learned it from. And I always, my favorite harmonica player is probably Mickey Raphael. You familiar with him? No, I'm not. Okay. Familiar with Willie Nelson? Yes. Okay. So Mickey Raphael has been a harmonica player for Willie Nelson forever. And, okay. uh, and he's just, I love his phrasing. I love his style. I love what he does. He's played with a lot of great people, but Willie's been his, his consistent gig. And uh, I feel like that I emulate, I try to emulate him. He's got that long draw. That's that he's got those really tasty, you know, frills and stuff that he does. And uh, I remember when I was back in my days, when I'd be drunk and loaded, I had this grand illusion because that Willie Nelson was going to come track me down and let me be his harmonica player. And I don't know where I got that from, but I, I, I just laugh at it, you know, cause that's what we are when we're drunk and loaded. We're, we're full of uh, barstool, di barstool daydreams. And uh, I've got to play with a lot of good people over the years. I've got to, I've got to, I got to share a lot of stages with a lot of great people and it's all, it's all a blessing. My, my harmonica player didn't, didn't go really anywhere. Why well, I, I did play before that, but in the last 20 years, when I got sober, that's when I really got a little more into it. And if I took my build my machine attitude toward my harmonica player, I'd probably within a year, I'd probably be on stage, you know, making albums. And I just know that because I know the potential that I have. And the problem I had in the, in the, in the pre-sober life is I did not understand my potential. If somebody said, you're a good person, you know, I yep. would, I couldn't take compliments. I was, um, I was the, uh, I, I, I had a problem with success with even thinking about success. Like I wasn't worthy. I, I didn't, I didn't deserve it. Sometimes when I get that, that voice in my head, I'm like, yeah, I do deserve this. I do, you know, I do deserve what I have. Cause when I started this business and we hear this in apex all the time, uh, you're stupid. You're wasting your time. It's not going to work. You're not going to make any money doing air duct cleaning. It's like now I'm the number one air duct cleaner in Southern California. I have multiple offices. I am. Here's what I do when I, when my clients call and they want to know why my prices are high. I say, well, I am the champion in my industry. And, and if you want the best, you know, like you want to drive Cadillac, you got to drive, you got to pay for Cadillac. Yeah. But I, I offer I offer premier service for what I do. A lot of guys that do what I do or say they do what I do, um, they don't have the equipment. They don't have the $50,000 negative air machine. They don't have the, the four national certifications in air duct cleaning and, and decontamination. I'm all built on certifications and, 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 and things like that. So I can talk, I can talk it. And then when I get there, I can walk it. I mean, my business card's made out of metal. I hand it to my clients and they sit there and look at it. Is this for me? And then I wear nice uniforms. My van's nice. I'm, you know, everything's nice about me. I do whatever the client wants. I'm, I don't bud kiss, but I just, I over excel. And, and that's so different from the, from the Kevin I used to be. I mean, I used to be called retarded by my teachers year after year. They'd ask me if I'm stupid. They'd go, they'd, you know, and this was like every year. Why are you not in the middle of retarded class? Back then we had, they called it the MR class. We didn't have classifications like we have today, you know, being autistic and, uh, and they're mean, you know, I had, I had some very mean teachers and uh, my wife's a teacher. So that helped me out a lot. Uh, my kindergarten teacher used to put me behind the piano 
for discipline because I was, you know, you got to understand it's not all the teacher's fault because every year on every report card and every progress report, you know, here's what it would say. Kevin cannot keep to his hands to himself. Kevin is a distraction. Kevin does not do his work, you know, uh, just on and on. And that's how I was. I was a distraction, but I was hyper. And, and then if I didn't get it, you know, if I didn't get it, I would just, you know, I would withdraw. And it was, it wasn't until I was in college. Hey, you guys knock it off. It wasn't until I was in college. until um, I had a teacher give me some really high compliments and I couldn't take it. He goes, Oh, you have fear of success. And I go, what do you mean? Goes, you have a hard time accepting, you know, if I told you you're a bastard or an idiot, you'd probably accept that. But when I tell you you're doing great work and you're, and you're outstanding in my class, you're having a hard time accepting that. And that was kind of a breakthrough for me. And it just, it just helped me out a lot. And I was, I took a class. Um, I'm close to getting my AA. I kind of dropped out when my business started kicking in, but I just need three credits in math and, and uh, two credits in English and then I have an associate's arts degree what that what is that worth I'm not really sure you know but there, there was a time when I thought it was important and you know I don't know where you were in 2007 and 2008 but if you grabbed me and lifted me up by my my ankles you wouldn't even found lint in my pocket I was so poor yeah. I mean it, it was bad and and uh my son was in prison and so I was the guardian of his of his his toddler kids and so I was, I was dragging those kids around and it was just really hard. I was a single, single Popeye, you know, and, and I just didn't meet all the qualifications because I was too honest when I would go down to social services and ask them for help. Are you a convicted drug addict? Are you a convicted felon? Yes. Well, my felonies were very minimal. You know, there's different kinds of felonies that you should later found out. I should have said no, because I, none of them were for violence and none of them for robbery. None of them for, were for, you know, that. So so I really shot myself in the foot. And at that same time, I tried getting a job at Walmart and Walmart, I couldn't even make the Walmart greeter staff. And I'm, this is the best thing for me because 20 years later, I'd be sitting on a stool saying, welcome to Walmart. And there's nothing wrong with Walmart, right? But I know that, I know that my potential is not Walmart quality. My potential is up and coming. And I look at these kids in the group. I mean, how old are you? Uh, 37. Okay, so sweet, man. I'm 57. Okay, so I've been bumping my head, even though I've been a success at what I've been doing. To me, a success was paying the bills and not being afraid to answer the phone. That was a success for me. But now it's, you know, now it's gotten so much different. You know, I get to go on vacation uh, four times a year. I take off for a week. I do stuff. I re, I you know, I decompress. And yeah. now I'm using now I'm using the Apex. Uh, quarterly things in november 5th that's going to be my decompression the last one Let's go. That we went, the last one we went to I, I i did my apex then i went and tracked down my great 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 grandparents graves my great great grandparents graves my grandparents graves and i and i got to clean up those graves and, and do memorials and i did a little i did a little thing i went to where my parents met and married and and all that stuff and i was able to spread their ashes on on the streets they got married on those are things that those are things that, that people that, that are struggling to make the rent don't get to do. No, no. And it's, it's, it's so fulfilling to be able to do those things. So I've been in Apex five months. And, nice. and I've been watching you. You've been one of my first. You've been one of my first. And I've seen growth in you. I'm not sure where you are Apex-wise, but I've seen growth in you in the five months. And so that's kind of the beauty, like in the rooms of AA, when you get to see people come in, um, I would, I would always say, uh, cause chicks come in, women, women have it harder in the addictive world because they have more, um, emotions. No, they have, they, they have more bargaining chips to get what they need versus a guy. Oh, okay. So if you have a, if yeah. you have, okay, so they can go further, they'll have more enablers. Because there's some creepy people in this world that'll 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 do weird things and they'll yeah. do weird things to guys, but guys don't maybe get that far. So you yeah. see some yeah. women come in and they're just and they're just they're just they don't look good. And then you get to see them become women. You get to see them become ladies. And what we call that in rooms of AA is we see the lights come on. And people saw that with me, and I've seen it with people. And people, you know, watch me. They see me. 
but they see me carry this granddaughter who was addicted to um, drugs and I was asked to come get her or they're going to send her to, to, to it was called Orangewood. Orangewood is a Orange County um, orphanage and they were going to put her in the system. So I wouldn't grab her. So here I am four years sober, three years sober. And I come into the rooms with this little baby and she's like five pounds and I'm holding her. Right. And I was doing meetings and people were like, where'd you get that baby? You know? <laughs> and I tell them and I, and, and it was like, I didn't know what to do, but the people, the women around me came around and helped me. They told me about, you know, how important it was to change the diapers on a regular basis and how to feed them. And I can't leave their milk in the car, you know, and it just, just golden stuff. There's a lot of women that lost their kids because when they have more resources to get what they need to get high, drunk, loaded or whatever, they lose more when they go farther down. So a lot of them had lost their kids and there's a woman in there. I don't know where she's at now, but she come up, she was, can I hold your granddaughter? I said, yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, selfish self center me thinking, please hold her. Yeah. You know, and she's like, she held her and she cuddled her. And she's like, they took my kids away from me and you're letting me hold you. Is that, and then she told me how much that helped her. And, uh, you know, so she would come over and she would help me clean her and she'd help me do stuff. I've had women that would, you know, comb her hair and, and stuff. And, and just, and now that she's 17 years old, she's, um, Sacramento State. Nice. Got a full ride scholarship, and uh, she had a little brother. He's he's 16 and he's playing varsity football. He got injured last night, so I want to lift him up in prayer. But um, they're dominating force. Dad's out of prison. Dad's kicking ass. The dad has the same. He started. He branched off. I he's been working with me, so he started his own business farther away. Okay. And he's killing it. And so I just I just I am blown away because he's got. The five, six-year-old Bane, who plays, uh, who plays football, flag football. So he goes to his games, and then he's got a team that he coaches. He found it better to coach kids that aren't he's not the dad of. So he's got a 12 and 13-year-old team that he coaches. He works his ass off. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know how he does it. And then he comes to Daniel's games. So speaking of biblical names, we got Daniel Joseph for my grandson. Yeah, yeah. And that was just a play on words from, from, I, I, I had a, um, his grandfather on his mom's side was Dan was David. And then, and then, uh, and then, uh, we got the Daniel and then the Joseph was my grandfather's name. And we got that from, uh, my, his dad's name's Joseph as well. My dad and my brother are both Joseph's dad was Donald Joseph, but, uh, brother is Joseph. Um, so yeah, dude. Um, I mean, I shared with you we're, we're bi biblical names here. Um, daughter and wife, not so much, but me and Ezra, um, most definitely. Dude, Ezra, I'm getting Ezra's bro, a I'm, solid name. Huh? Ezra is a solid name, dude. That's Thank unique you. and solid. So you know what? It's it's really funny because we had like as me and my wife were progressing through our early relationship, we had starting pl started planning out names, and we're we were to the point like, okay, we're going to plan this out so that should something happen and they take off in the world and they become, you know, the whatevers, if they wanted to drop their last name, because a lot of um, celebrities and musicians and whatnot, they do that. They drop their last name or whatever. Um, we had it set up where that would be their situation okay and when it came time for ezra we were we had decided previously like in all this planning stage he was going to be tobias montgomery and then we had him and he ended up being ezra leviticus okay Don't ask. I, I can't other than pure divine intervention. Bear with me for just a moment. Actually, let's take this moment. We're going to break it right here and I'll be right back. Dude, so you have like I got chills listening to um, some of the stuff you were talking about, about your journey. Um, 
I, I really kind of, so one of the things that we focus on is showing everybody, like no matter what journey you've been through, there's always more out there for you. There's always a way to change the circumstances. You know, we, we don't have to deal with the same cards that we think we've been dealt. We have that opportunity to change that in our life. What, what was the moment that really started that shift towards the successful Kevin, like HB aired up Kevin towards Deacon Kevin towards everything that you've got going on? Well, I'll have to say uh, November 99, my father passed away, died my arms. Uh, last thing he said to me was, I love you. You know, he said, he said, I'm scared. And I said, I got that. He says, go get your mama. And I said, I, she's coming. And they said, I love you. And then he passed away. And when he passed away, they pulled, you know, he was in the hospital. He pulled me away and um, I thought he was dead. Well, he had a DNR and, and they, they had him hooked up to everything. So technically he wasn't dead and they kept him alive for almost two weeks. Uh, I mean, about a week. And I had to fight with him. I mean, as much as I loved him, I'm like, this is not my dad. That's not what he wants. We've talked about this. And I had to fight my brothers and sisters because they were thinking I was killing my dad. I'm like, this is not what he wants. He does not want to be hooked up to all these machines. And then once everybody agreed, then he passed, you know, he passed on uh, December 2nd, 1999. For me, that was, that was the, um, that was my spiral because I'd always been, okay, you got to imagine I'm 37. I'm living at my mom's, living at my dad's, never really, I mean, I've been out on my own briefly, you know, never really had my own place. I might've paid rent with somebody or I might've did this. I never really had anything going on my whole life. And when I would come you know, meet chicks, bring them home. I'd say, you know, Shh, I'm a caregiver and let's not wake them up. And the reality was my parents were my caregivers. And so pops dies and uh, he was the glue that kept our family together. And, and it just, it was a big spiral from there. Um, I got arrested a whole bunch of times that year, just dumb stuff. You know, uh, every time I got arrested, it was for doing the same stupid stuff. And uh, I, then I was on my way to prison and I had a moment of clarity, October 28th, it was about 4.45 in the afternoon, I was sitting on the side of a house, and um, it was my ex's house, her mom, I, I kind of lived there, I kind of I kind of was a, a vagrant there, um, and I was told by her that I was not welcome there anymore, and she told all the neighbors that if, they, if you see him, call the police, and I, it was, it was um, sitting on the side of the house, you gotta remember, I buy the way to buck 20 soaking wet. I had skinny little arms and skinny little body. And I had, I had, I had like my little wife beater on and I had shorts that used to be pants that I'd cut the legs off. And, and, and it was all, I just looked like a mess. I looked like, I looked like a, you know, I looked like a Tom Hanks from, from that movie where he's on the Island. That's you know? the way. There you go. And, um, and that's the way I felt. I felt like a castaway. I felt like I was cast away. My mother who loved me, um, about the same time, a couple of days before, she she was just tired of my shit. And she pulled over and, and told me to get out. And and as I was getting out, she took off. You know, it's like a slow moving car. And she said, I love you, but I don't like you. And I'm I'm tired of watching you killing yourself. And I didn't realize I was killing myself $10, $20 at the time. So after that spiral, I had a bunch of court dates. Um, you know, you get arrested, they let you out, you get arrested, they let you out. It's called jail time pending crime on crime on bail. And, uh, I'm sitting on the side of the house. I'm crying and I've always had a belief in God, but I didn't, at the time, I didn't know anything. God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit type of stuff. I just, I imagined like Billy Gibbons type of God with the big beard or the guy from Lord of the Rings type of thing, or, uh, you know, Harry Potter, that big Gandalf beard. And, uh, I didn't understand. I, I always thought God was being mean to me. I thought my God was a, a tormentor, not a mentor. And I cried out. I just, I just, I did the most eloquent, eloquent prayer I could do. And it was, it was four letters. It was help. I was like, help. I was crying. And uh, I heard, I heard an audible. I told me to get up. And when I, when I stood up, I felt the shackles of my addiction fall off. I was struck sober. I wasn't detoxing anymore. And I felt different. So in that, in that period of being different, I went out and, and uh, got hooked up in recovery 
And so, so I had 37 years of, I, I like to identify with my first and last name because it used to be, um, I'll try to keep it G-rated. I used to be called that F and Kevin Blue. I was always the type of guy that wasn't wanted around. I was asked not to be at weddings. I was told not to come to funerals. I was, I was just, I just had nothing to offer. Right. You know, the beauty is today I get to perform weddings and I get to perform funerals. So in that period when I was newly sober and I was in the rooms of AA, I was welcomed in by a bunch of, you know, former derelicts that I would never, ever, ever, ever socialize with. And I started getting pats on the back, had a boy, one day sober, two days sober. We want you to be the secretary. I got a lot of attaboys and the attaboys started adding up because um, imagine imagine like a scale like the you know scales of justice yep right and all the all the kevin did this kevin did that you know and it's just weighing down and and the kevin did this good was was way off man it was like it's like the bad was up here and so the attaboy started adding up and then before you know it um i've had bad things happen in my sobriety i've had bad things happen but the good days outweigh the bad days that I identified as a gutter hype. And so when you're in the gutter, where's your potential? It's, it's nowhere but up. Yeah. So when I realized that my potential was upward bound, then I got into the, I got into, I dove into God because I don't know if you're familiar with the 12 step, but step three is uh, find a God of your understanding. So I asked a pastor and he said, well, investigate God and see what you know. And then I found out so much more about God Today, 21 years deep into it, I found out that I know less today than I did when I started because it's like, it's like, it's like ever, ever going. It's just ongoing. It's like when we die and go to heaven, when I die and go to heaven, because I know where I'm going, my ticket's bought and paid. That Bible that I read is going to open up. It's going to be like spears opening up with just new information. There's going to be, there's so much meat to one verse that Pope, a lot of people overlook. So I was challenged and I did, I did discipleship groups. I have favorite verses like Luke 19, 10. It says, for the son of man came to seek and save that which was lost. I was the one that was lost. I always thought that God was not there. God was not present. And I found out that it was Kevin that was not there and Kevin was not present. And a lot of people have a trouble with the God thing in AA. And for me, it wasn't a big deal. The people that struggle, and, and I'm not saying, well, I am saying, in my opinion, my way is right but I'm not saying my way is the only way because they gave you a little disclaimer, God of your understanding. The thing that won it over for me was the word God was capital G. So there's God of you know, God of the universe. Then there's God of, you know, God of fire, God of water. Those are all lowercase G's. So I started studying the uppercase G and, and, and my life's turned around. And as I got more attaboys and I went around that, that sobriety calendar, I started um, learning more, you know, and I tried, I tried different jobs. I, I couldn't do the nine to five. I just, you know, maybe I'm ADHD and I just don't pay attention or I can't stay concentrated or whatever, but I excel at what I'm doing. So I got into, um, I got into a place six or seven days sober. There's a man named Sam Martin who took me in and he had me become a carpet cleaner. I always knew how to clean carpet, but I couldn't make money at it. So I was, I was better at working for other companies that would throw me the here, Mrs. So-and-so wants it done and I'd go do it. And then I just started excelling, making money at it. And then that company went, went down about a year later. So I was left on my own. And that's when I tried the, uh, the Walmart and, and the target jobs and none of them would hire me due to the wreckage of my past. Yeah. And so we got this thing called the wreckage of my past. And I came up with a term called the wreckage that I cast. Well, I'm not casting more wreckage today. I'm paying my bills. I can answer the phone. Hi, this is Kevin. Um, I walk down the street. Someone yells, hey, asshole, it's probably not going to be me. And so the wreckage of my past might be damaging. It might look bad, but it's what I'm the wreckage I'm making today is, is minimal. I'm like I'm like a rowboat on calm waters where I used to be, you know, going against the current and just and just trying to swim upstream or whatever. And I didn't, I didn't have to do that. So, so my success for me really started when I realized that my potential was upward and my success, because there's a lot of people in AA that get sober and they think that's their, their, that's it. I'm sober, you know, like my water sitting on my computer, that's as high as it gets. It, does, it can't go higher. 
And I'm like, dude, my potential is unlimited. I can do anything in these rooms. You know, and the thing I love mm -hmm. about the apex is, is they're sharing things with us, but they're not, they're not telling us how to do sneaky underhand deals. They're teaching us ethical ways to dominate. Absolutely. And I love that, you know, and I love the sales talk with sales pros where you get the haters want to say how, oh yeah, why are you going to join a group like that? It's like, whatever, dude, to me, when Drewby threw out the thing, I, I was on there and I said, hey, what's this apex I hear about? And Drewby and Zach joined in. Drewby hit me up first. So I, I joined with, with Drewby. Zach hit me up. I told him, hey, I'm already signed up, dude. He's like, okay. And, and, and we're both good. You know, I'm, we're both talking and stuff a lot still. And I got to share, uh, break bread with, with Zach and uh, at the steakhouse last, last time we had the thing. But I'm blown away at what I've got. And so um, I got addicted to, to making good money with air duct cleaning and dryer vent cleaning. And both those businesses I kind of fell into because when I clean carpets, Sam Martin's like, dude, you need to do air ducts. You need to do air duct. What I was doing that most people weren't was Sam would give me a 10% bonus for every air duct that I, I booked. So I'd be cleaning carpets, you know, doing the cleaning and moving the furniture. And I say, wow, you need your air ducts cleaning. I go, what's that? And I tell them. And I'd quote it out and then I'd say, here, Tim's going to call you. And so Tim would go do it and give me 10%. And it's $500 job, $1,000 job. So I'm getting 50, 100 bucks. But I was doing that like every day. So my bonuses, my bonuses were higher than most people's paychecks every week. Week after week, I was getting anywhere from $500 to $1,000 in bonus on top of the one or $2,000 I was making. So I thought I had arrived. And I didn't realize my potential there. My problem was, is I was spending what I was making. So now where I'm at now is I'm, and as I'm, you know, I'm kind of a, like a Scrooge McDuck saving all my coins and counting them up and stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm not sure if I answered your question or not, but um, for the success, my real, it's, it's, I, I like, I like to use AA, AA a lot. AA talks about moments of clarity. I have a series of moments of clarity that, that, Potential thing was a moment of clarity. My potential is unlimited. The attaboys were a moment of clarity. And then, you know, when I walk in and I do good jobs, when I, when I dominate my industry, because I do something that most people won't do is I, I pre-sell my job before I, from hello to goodbye, the, the job's pre-sold. So when I walk in and I charge more than anybody else, because I'm not afraid to charge what I'm worth. And what, and what the industry demands. The people that don't charge what the industry demands are not trained. They're just, they just bought a shop back and they think they're gonna, they're gonna you know, do what I do. And um, I, I sell, I probably close nine out of 10 jobs that, I, that my phone rings, maybe eight out of 10. I get a lot of looky lose. I get some people that's like, look guy, I'm looking for the best deal. And I go, well, I'm not your guy. I'm not the best deal type of guy. I don't charge by zip code, I charge by what I do. And then I start talking to him. He goes, okay, well, uh, this guy yesterday, can you be here in 30 minutes? I said, no, sir, I can't. He's like, why not? I go, I don't even know where you're at. And I go, and I'm booked three weeks out. Sometimes, you know, air duct cleaning, I'm booked two months out. Dryer vent cleaning, I can do on the fly because I cover such a big area. But there's no way I'm not, you know, I'm, you know you're looking for the best deal and you want me to drop what I'm doing. So those kind, so, I, don't close, I don't convert. Let let me, let me ask you this for, for people that are going through, you know, I mean, dude, you've, you've shared a lot about your journey uh, with sobriety, with um, raising your grandkid, um, just so much. And like, where, what advice can you give somebody to just show them that hope that there is more there for them well let me let me run back to the recovery aspect um because i'm i am a, i am a minister of recovery and reconciliation so i try to help people rebuild what they've damaged so imagine you got a house and somebody runs into it with a car do you want to destroy the house or do you want to pull the car out and, and rebuild it and that's where we're at we don't want to destroy your life we want to take away the bad parts and add good parts so I start with attaboys and I start with, with breaking it down in daily goals. I'm like, look, what, what, you know, I like to ask them, what'd you have for breakfast? And, and they go, okay. And they tell me, 
And then, um, and then, you know, some people go, yeah, but for dinner, I go, we're not talking about dinner. We're talking about today. So I want them to focus on what's in front of them and keep it small. But also like with the 12 steps, I had a guy that wanted to not do the first six steps because he knew better than me. And I'm like, dude, I can't work with you. I mean, I'm no better than you, but all I'm here is to give you a working knowledge of the big book, take you through the 12 steps and help you find a God of your understanding. So I said, I'll tell you what, bro. I took him to a staircase. I go, there's 12 steps in a staircase. The 13th step is, is the top flight. I said, stand right here. Whatever step you can jump to, we'll start on that step. He's like, well, you're crazy. I go, well, you, the program of AA is the same way. So, so advice I would give people, I'd let them know to, um, what is your worth? What are you, you know, what are your worth? What I want them to, I want them to, to, to identify what they think they're worth. I want to, I want them to identify what they think they have to offer. I want them to, I, to identify, because the biggest thing is identifying what you're worth. When I have guys that I take through the steps, I have, there's, there's a few things I do. I give them a notebook and then on the front, I want them to write three things they're grateful for every day. January 1st, you could say food, clothing, shelter, just like our apex gratitude, right? Sometimes it's the same things, yep. but, but it's helping us. So, so imagine you got a book and on the front, you open it up and it's, what are you grateful for? Okay. And then on the back, I want you to write, flip it over. And I want you to write your, um, whatever you're going through that day, had a bad day. Wife was mad at me. i um, got fired. I got a promotion. And then over time, those two books are going to meet in the middle. And so your gratitude list becomes a gratitude journal. The reason why I want them to do that, I want them to be grateful for what they got. The reason why I have them journal, and I'm not asking for like, you know, you know, a novel. Some people get yeah. just crazy. I'm like, just tell me what you're thankful for. Just tell me what, what's going on in your life. The reason why I do that is because the world's coming to the end because this thrill didn't say hi to me. And then a week later, you have a whole new dilemma and you look back a week ago and just laugh at yourself. So I want them to get in touch with their feelings. I want them to get in touch with who they are. I ask them to read a proverb a day because there's 31 proverbs. Uh, and I want them to learn how to talk to God. And then I want them to call people. I have guys, I go, if you can't, if you can't text me once a day, I mean, text is the most easiest way to communicate right it's like yeah. you know i got some clients that book a job and they ghost me and i'm like do you want me to come out yes or no i don't hear from them. I'm like okay cool so i have people communicate with me every day i want you to learn to talk to yourself i want you to learn to talk to god and i want you to learn to talk to another person if you can't communicate on those aspects and like i said i'm not telling you who the god is but when you choose god of the bible then we're going to use the book of proverbs a proverb a day keeps a boogeyman away so once I do that, I get them to show, I get them to see in pencil and paper what they're worth. You know, just like when you're doing an insurance thing, you you want, I had an insurance broker told me, Shh, don't say that, don't say that. Your rates will go up, Shh, don't say that. Well, my van got broken into and they stole everything and then I wasn't covered because Shh, don't say that, right? So, yeah. now my, so now my insurance, I pay more, but I have peace of mind. If they break into my van, if they steal a screwdriver, if they steal the whole van, I'm covered. Yeah. You know, so, so it was a good example of just being honest. And that's the whole thing is a lot of people can't be honest. You know, it is on Facebook. Everybody's life's perfect. You know, yeah. there's either, there's either Debbie Downers or there's, or there's Tiggers, you know, Ooh, everything's good. <laughs> so it's all about being honest. I got a guy that I've been working with for probably 20 years. Can't stay sober. Can't be honest. He wants to brag about what he's got, his credit score, how he paid his bills, how he did this. And then I see him and he's, and he's like, you can't get away from the he, opiates. He'll call me. He goes, oh yeah, yeah, I hurt my back. I'm having my mom hold my pain pills for me. I'm like, dude, we've already watched this movie. This isn't going to turn out good. And then I'll call his mom because I know her, and I say, so you're holding Jeff's pain pills? She goes, no, you're holding them. And I go, you got to tell Jeff that he's not welcome at your house at that because he's he's lying. It's like yeah. nobody's holding his pain pills. He's holding them, and he's always loaded. And there's you know, one day the poor guy's gonna wake up and be dead should have said his name but anyways one day the guy's gonna wake up and be dead and what you know i i feel bad because you know how many people died that i've tried to work with killed themselves died over deed overdose a lot of guys like to like to uh commit suicide it's the only way they can shut their head off you know how uh sean Wayland talks about the bitch voice have you yeah. read 75 hard man that is that is so dominant we have this voice in our head that that 
tells us. And I learned a long time ago when I heard, you're no good, you're no good. That was the enemy talking to me. When I hear I'm no good, then that's me talking to me. Or that's, that's what I'm like, no, I am good. I can do this. And it really helps me shutting off that, that alternate voice that I don't want to hear. Yeah, dude, definitely being, being able to decipher that, um, whether it's the, the bitch voice or the, um, even the discernment to be able to listen for God when you're talking to him. Um, you know, I, I always tell myself and I, I wrote in my journal book that I just put out um, that we need to be able to focus on the things that we can control, which are the things in front of us, you know, the, the situations out here on the playground while the kids are playing or uh, whatnot, but the supernatural things, the things that are going on up here, we have no control over. We need to just let God work those out. Right. So um, prayer and meditation works good. Um, Prayers when you talk to God, meditations when you stop and listen. Yeah. You know, and uh, a lot of folks, the hardest thing is shutting off that 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 circus in your head. That you know, one guy described it as a, as an Italian opera, and all three parts are going at once. And and that's the hardest thing is shutting that off. A lot of people like to self medicate in the rooms of AA, and I have nothing against it. I take CBDs for my back, for my chronic inflammation and my and my arthritis but I'm not getting high off it. And, and so I don't feel like I'm taking a dirty chip where other people say, Oh no, you can't do that. It's like, look, my real problem is, is speed. If I hit the speed pipe, then we got a problem. I know yeah. that the alcohol wasn't as big of a problem, but I just don't, I just don't, I just don't mess with it like that. It could be a problem. Yep. For me, alcohol was my vice and I got it was somewhere 2016 don't exactly remember when, but I had a really bad snap. And that's when it really all came into uh, clear vision for me that I was ending up just like my dad. And my family kept the dark secret that my dad was really a raging alcoholic. Uh, and that's when it all kind of clicked for me. But where was I going with this? Oh, yeah, we were talking about ADHD and speed. Dude, I got the same issue. And um the, the million voices, the things in my head. And the best way I can relate that to, because I grew up on Ritalin um, for, I was on it for like 11 years. And then I got into something and it, it was just like, you know what, I'm done. I took myself off of it. And I went unmedicated for the next pretty much 19 years. And okay. um, more recently, I did go back to a non-stimulant, um, something to help. But I related to when people ask me, I related to a helicopter blade or a tire uh, whenever you watch it through a camera, right? Like my head is always going like them helicopter propellers. And right when you take the, the stimulant med, it speeds it up so much that it actually slows me down. Um, and I just vision it like looking at the helicopter blades through a camera because the frame rate of the camera offsets it and it almost gets to a point where the blades look like they're standing still right right and that's that's how i relate that stuff and people look at me like i'm crazy like no dude this is this is how it works that's why i have a coffee caffeine problem for me my analogy for what let's just kind of what you're talking about is a freeway and when I get too much information, my freeway bottlenecks, you know, and then I've got these lanes merging and I'm in the middle and I'm like, that's where my brain goes. When I, when I get frustrated, I feel like I'm on a freeway and, you know, don't ask me two questions. If two people talk to me at once, I get lost. You know, I don't know how I, how I work so well. I'm so focused. Um, that was my biggest problem after my stroke because I had, um, a little speech impediment, a little bit of lag. I, it's not as bad now where I would stutter, but I um, was surprised at when my phone would ring. I would almost like, have you ever seen like a, the singer who couldn't, he couldn't talk, he stuttered, but he could sing. I forget his name. And there's people like that where they, they'd be, uh, 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 and then they sing and they're like, oh, la, la, la. and that's how I was. I would sing my pitch and then, I'd get out the phone and I'd be, uh, 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 and so it was, it was hard. So, so my, my, my helicopter 
for me, I get that when you talk about that. Mine is mine is a congested freeway, a bottlenecking freeway. Yeah, I feel that. And then it gets to a point where it's so much it overwhelms and we stop. So what I do is I bring up that bottleneck freeway can analogy like you have yours and it helps people. I use analogies a lot. And so it helps people relate. And if I was telling you it for the first time, you go, oh, I get it, dude. I got this propeller going around. And then they figure out what their clusterfuck is and it helps them get through it. It helps them navigate like we're going through a wall, a, a house of mirrors, you know, how frustrating that is. Yep. Yeah, all the time, dude. I um, I have to relate by sharing similar stories that I, and it, it, it's what allows me to click. Like names, I used to be so bad with names, but then I started relating the names to something. Like we had this kid, uh, his name's Nick. I didn't know Nick for the longest time, but one day I realized he looked like Moose from the Step Up movies, and I started calling him Moose for a minute. Now I know that his name is Nick, and I'll never forget his name is Nick. It's just I, I, how things associate and make a difference, but that's how I connect. I do the same thing. If it, when I can't remember the name, and I'll be like, hey, Nick at night, you know, um, I would yeah. always, I give like, uh, I remember in college, there's a, a girl that was my uh, lab partner and her name was Lisa and I could not remember her name. So I started calling Lisa, Lisa and the cult jam. And that was a band back in the eighties. And she goes, oh, I love that band, but it helped me relate. I'm terrible. If your name's Kevin, I'm going to forget it. That's how bad it is. And so I'm terrible with names and I've learned to try to say it over and over. Hey, how you doing? Uh, you know, uh, with the women, I'll call them, you know, like, uh, oh, hi, Miss Jamie. Hi, you know, that was my latest client. Hi, Miss Jamie. And uh, and it's very respectful. A lot of a lot of nationalities like that when you refer to them like that. And yeah, so so word association is, is big because I'll forget. I'm like, uh, Greg, right? And he's Gary. And I'm like, OK, I'm not going to remember that, but I'll keep asking. And I, and I throw a little disclaimer as far as I apologize in advance for not being able to, to remember. Yeah, definitely. So what's 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 next in the big the grand scheme of things? Well, I used to follow a guy called Mike McCallowich, Mike McCallowich. I'm not sure if I'm saying it right. Have you heard of him? No, I haven't. OK, uh, my first book that I read that really kicked me into because i used to have mentors so-called mentors that say oh you got to read books you got to do this but they wouldn't tell me what books so somebody threw me a book called gold uh blue collar gold okay and he was a chimney sweep dryer vent cleaner and so i can do chimney sweep but i choose not to because it's dirtier and i make more money cleaning drivers i got into that book then I got into one called The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur by Mike Michalowicz. I loved it. And uh, he's got so many books. One's called Profit First. But my, my problem with Mike is it's all about a new book every six months. And every book has a new program. And there's just no way to, to do all these programs. They're great information. Uh, he's got one that's called Clockwork. And, a, and, a, and it's a, where you get your business running on Clockwork. So that's kind of what I want to do. My goal is to get people to work under me so I can just do whatever the hell I want. I love working. I love doing my job. But my goal is I used to tell myself if I could clone myself, I had a boss tell me that if I could clone you, I'd be rich. I can't. So I'm going to take care of you. So I'd always say, if I could clone myself, I could be rich. And I had the mindset that I couldn't clone myself because I'm unique. I'm one of a kind, you know, I'm the, I'm the one in 1 billion sperm that made it. And I could just, I could justify. It. And the really out reality is I need to clone myself. I need to, I need to get more people doing what Kevin does. I did it with my son. My son's making a killing. You know, he doesn't call me for any, he, it's, it used to be, um, you know, you heard of give me a fish, eat per day, teach me a fish, eat for a lifetime. So now he's got a great life. He's got five kids and all kinds of stuff. And uh, my, my big picture scheme is to try to clone myself, have more Kevins out there doing what I'm doing under my name, umbrella, and just keep branching because everywhere, there's anywhere from 200 to 300 Google requests within a 10 mile radius of my home for what I do every week. And I don't do two to 300 jobs. So somebody else is doing it. So my goal is being the number one company is to, is to get, if I had, if I had five or 10 trucks, I probably, they'd probably all be within 30 mile radius. I mean, I could send some guys out further. Then I go out to Dallas and I look at what they got going and, and the dryer vent cleaners say they got out there. They're 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 not 
they probably found the money, but I look at the equipment they're using. They're using like the Home Depot kits, the do-it-yourself kits that break, and and they're just not professional. They're not certified. I'm one of only six guys in in my state that has a national certification for what I do, and the other five guys are more than a hundred miles away, and I never see them. We never our layers never meet as far as competition. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for sharing that with us today. Um, we're going to go ahead and put a wrap on this. Okay. Um, but, dude, your story, your knowledge, um, dude, I, I I know you're impacting lives as you go through this journey, bro. I know well, you are. Um, my ministry is called the Ripple Effect. Okay. So I heard people find that. Um, it's a Facebook group, but it's I've got it set right now private and I'm the only one on it and I'm, and I'm putting it out there. What the ripple effect is you're, you, you skipped rocks, right? Yeah. Okay. So what happens when you skip a rock? Pop, 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 pop. Yeah. When you share a nugget, how many generations does that nugget touch? A lot. Okay. So what you're doing with your son today, there's going to be a time and place where your great grandson is going to say my great granddaddy, and that's the ripple effect. How many generations can we touch positively? Because I can sit, I can go to that little girl back there and say mean things to her and just, you know, the pretty little girl behind you and say something mean to her and have a negative ripple effect. That's what I don't want to be. So the positive ripple effect is I'm going to ask the people to drop podcasts and words of wisdom on the ripple effect. And that's basically what it's going to be. There's not going to be any, um, you know, there's not going to be any sales or anything like that. And I want to build it like that because what I do is when I share my gospel, I'm like Johnny Appleseed. I'm the, I'm like the Johnny, I'm, I'm spreading my God. I'm the Johnny Appleseed approach of spreading the gospel. I share the word. There's a parable about the seeds that fall onto the ground. Some find good soil and grow and some find on the rocks and don't. And some find a different soil and take, take time to get root. And I listened to Pedro Manessas yesterday. Have you heard him? Yeah. And he was on Limitless. Have you heard that podcast? No, I haven't heard that one yet. It's amazing. It's Clint's first one. He says, we think we're buried, but we're just planted. Oh, wait. His first one? Clint's first one. Clint's first one with a guest. I love Clint's podcast because yeah. he's got these three yes. minute nuggets. So yep. I listen to podcasts like I used. I binge on podcasts like I used to binge on Andy Griffith things like that, because they're, those are nuggets. I'm going to yeah. get at least one nugget of wisdom. So the, the ripple effect is, um, it's not necessarily uh, church related, but it's negative, it's positive related, you know, share something good. You don't have to be, you know, walking hand in hand with, with, with Jesus, if that's not your deal. But if you're sharing positively, every, every religion has one theme, you know, most religions have one theme, Buddha, be good, and, and good things happen. And, and, you know, it's all a good theme. There's always a, a be better than you are. So that's where the ripple effect is at. You could probably find it if you looked at it on Facebook groups, or you can message me and I'll, and I'll give you an invite. Like I just, I just been messing with it. And so I'm just going to drop podcasts on it that I do. And I want other people to drop podcasts or if they got quotes or words of wisdom that they think will help people. And that's where I'm at there. I know Ryan says everybody should have a group and, and, um, I got one or I got one for an AA meeting that I don't really use anymore. I got a cigar, uh, his place cigar club that I made years ago, just messing around. And, and I got so much stuff going on with the apex build your machine 2.0. I'm overwhelmed. My analogy that I gave Danny Galvez was it's like going to a very big buffet and you see, and you look and you're like, you know, like when we did the steakhouse and they bring out the lamb, they bring out the chicken. It's like, you're overwhelmed. What? I'm, I'm not hungry, but I'm going to try that. And so that's how, that's how it is with Apex. Um, I don't know. I probably talk too much, but I'm, I'm very, I'm very grateful that I got into the Apex. It's, it's, it's that, it's, it's that, you know, exactly what I needed to go from where I was being content. Wife's happy. We got a new couch. We got this, the cars, the bills are paid. You know, I got three dogs that love me, you know, and, and uh, I'm not behind on my bills to where, if I can turn me into me, you know, 10 me's, you know, cause if, if this Kevin can bring in two or 300 grand a year, can you imagine if I had 10 of me? 
So, and that's, that's the beauty of apex and build your machine, bro. It all works. Exactly. exactly. And I'll, I'll close on this. The best thing I got out of apex, the last one, I was, I was waiting for the big sell. I was waiting for like Ryan to come up and say, okay, give me $35,000 and I'll give you my cell phone or something. It was nothing like that. No. Nobody hard sold me. I bought books. Everybody who had a book, I bought them because when I go see a band, I do that. Robert Nelson called me. And uh, he did a follow-up call and I told him, man, I was waiting for the big sale the whole time. Okay, here comes Ryan. He's going to hardcore close me. I brought credit cards just in case. And it was nothing like that, you know? No. And I walked, I, w I went away so happy that I'm like, okay, I'm booking my next trip. I'm booking my next trip. So anyways, I'll let you go. I know you got your hands full. You got a little pretty girl <laughs> next to you. The kids playing. So yeah, dude, we are going to put a wrap, but thank you for sharing everything. And dude, I am blessed to call you a friend. Thank you, sir. I'll send you an invite for the ripple effect. And then, and then if you if you feel like you'd like to be an administrator and help me out on that. All yeah, I'm let's have that for, discussion. Yeah, I'm all, all I'm asking is for positive nuggets. I had a guy who tell me once, Ross Martinez used to tell me, when you're digesting information, you chew the meat, you spit out the bones. And so that's what we do today. That That is what we did. All right, well, Kevin, have an awesome day. And I will talk to you soon. Can I pray over you real quick? Yeah, let's go. Dear Heavenly Father, I come today and I ask you to put a blessing over this man. I put a hedge of protection around everything that he does, his ripple effect that he has in life. I ask that you just open up his heart and keep his heart open and wide. He's got a lot of hats on today. Dad, father, son, and business owner and entrepreneur and so many things. And I just ask that you give him wisdom and discernment and all he does and keep any that negative force where the enemy's trying to come in and knock him down and tell him he's not good or he's not worthy. I'm going to rebuke all that in the name of Jesus Christ, because he is a warrior in whatever aspect he's in. I give glory in your name in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. I pray. Amen. Amen. Go do battle, my friend. All right, bro. Thank Be you. Safe. Okay. All right. You too.